you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. About a month ago, David and I wrapped up house and cat sitting for a four-month stint in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Going into this experience, we had a few big business objectives, and we were excited about spending time closer with my family and helping out some friends. What we intended to be a positive, lucrative experience turned sour fast and turned into one of our most challenging times as entrepreneurs and for ourselves personally. Our relationship and love for each other stayed strong, but our love for ourselves individually and our interest in continuing to help the LGBT community with its money through Debt Free Guys and the Queer Money Podcast were challenged. What could have ended both the Debt Free Guys and the Queer Money Podcast turned out to be one of the best learning and most inspiring experiences of our lives. We were forced to let go of our most mundane attachments and dig deeper into our personal challenges with self-worth than we had ever dealt before. We shared some of these experiences and what turned this dark time into a huge growth opportunity on a recent Queer Money Live within the Queer Money Facebook group. The feedback was so positive and people connected with it so well that we decided to convert this into a Queer Money podcast. So just a heads up, this episode wasn't recorded nor originally intended to be a part of the Queer Money podcast, so the sound isn't optimal, but the value is in the content. If you can forgo an episode of Optimal Sound, and if you're anything like the members of the Queer Money Facebook group, we think you'll get a lot out of this episode. This episode of Queer Money isn't sponsored by anything, but we do recommend several books. We'll link to those books in the show notes at deadfreeguys.com forward slash 154. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Hey there, welcome to another Queer Money Live. Welcome to a very special Queer Money Live. Um, when I was typing in the title for today's Career Money Live, I was thinking of back in the day when they used to say, um, tonight on a very special blossom, <laughs> or tonight on a special facts of life. Yeah. <laughs> so Dave and I wanted to talk about something that we don't think our community talks enough about, and that's our spiritual health. As we told you a couple weeks ago, or alluded to a couple weeks ago, we've been personally, the two of us have been going through some challenging times, and we wanted to share those challenges with this group and talk about what's been working with for us to help us sort of overcome those challenges. So we've gone all over the country, and we've written for several platforms, and we have our own podcast and our blog and everything, and we, we tell our story about how we got into credit card debt. And what we learned in the following years about ourselves and how we got into that credit card debt, you know, the, the fact that we had credit card debt wasn't actually the disease. The fact that we had credit card debt was a symptom of a disease. Um, and it took several years for David and I to realize what that was. And after peeling back the onion for several years, we realized that for us, it came down to two things. One, we were trying to make up for childhoods that were a little bit challenging, um, that weren't entirely welcoming and open to LGBT people. David grew up in a very religious household. Uh, my parents were somewhat religious and very conservative. So being gay was not good growing up. And so we had we had that to overcome. And then, you know, school was challenging as, as it is for everybody, but especially so from, a, from an LGBT perspective. And then when we finally were, became adults and we were out of the closet and we found our community of other, for us, mostly gay men, but L the LGBT community, um, we had such an inferiority complex about ourselves 
that we were so desperate to be accepted by our new community that we would do whatever it took to be included. And that oftentimes meant spending way beyond our, our means. Um, we needed to have the right clothing, the right travel, the right cars, and we were living way beyond our means. And we realized that here we were, we finally found our home, our people, but yet we still didn't believe that they could like us either. Um, and it wasn't unless we were buying round of drinks, rounds of drinks for them or buying them dinners or, or looking the way we're supposed to look or whatever that we thought that they would accept us. And so we, we, we felt like we've overcome that over several years and in the process of paying off our debt and, and, and starting the Queer Money Group and all the things that we've been doing with the Debt Free Guys brand. And we thought things were rocking for us. <laughs> And we knew that we, uh, as many of you know, we, we, we are from Denver. Uh, we temporarily moved to Columbia, Pennsylvania. Friends of ours who actually own this house, uh, they are traveling the country. Uh, they're actually on their way back. They return tomorrow. We've been house and cat sitting for them. And we thought, well, this would be great. This is a great way to start our, our 2019 uh, without having to uh, pay rent or mortgage for four months. We knew that we were launching our credit card payoff course. And we were in uh, heavy discussions with a bank to do a Queer Money Live tour in the Rocky Mountain region um, starting May or June. And that was going to be a significant income. And because of everything that was happening for us at the time, uh, at the end of last year, Yahoo Finance reached out to us. And they wanted to partner and they agreed to promote our credit card payoff course. Um, all of the statistics and the numbers, economic numbers that were coming out about credit card debt and how it's burdening Americans, we thought that was playing in our favor to have a, an amazing uh, course launch. And we also had Prudential support to promote. And then there was somebody else. I can't remember. Go Banking Rates. Oh, Go Banking Rates supported us. And we also had Forbes. And so we just thought uh, we were almost scared with the success that we would have with the launch of the course, thinking that it was just going to be almost too many people in its first launch that we were going to be able to not know, necessarily know how to, to manage it. And so, But we thought that 2019 was going to be the most amazing, successful year for us. Well, we moved to Columbia, Pennsylvania, and things got really hard. I'm going to take just a quick step back. Um, many of you may not uh, know that John quit his job in 2016, and the goal was to bring me home in a year. Well, that didn't quite happen. I continued to work, but I quit my job in April of 2018. And before John quit his job, we were earning mid, we, we were earning about $150,000 a year. Uh, so we were very comfortable and we had saved up some money and we knew that we were taking a risk by allowing him to quit his job. Uh, but we wanted to take that risk because we wanted to serve more people in the LGBT community. Then when I was about ready to quit my job, between my income and what we were earning with Debt Free Guys, uh, we were earning close to or just a little over $100,000 a year. And we felt very comfortable with that. And it, was, uh, it would, had been funding our dream of building this business that would serve the LGBT community. So we had become accustomed to a lifestyle that was based on kind of earning that amount of money. That's what allowed us to pay off our debt, allowed us to then fund our retirement. We are very grateful that we had that opportunity. We both of us uh, started out in entry level jobs in financial services and were earning hardly any money when we first started. And we both continued to get education and build our careers and ramped up our income. So we were very grateful that we were able to take advantage of that. 
but we wanted to head out in this new venture of being able to not just serve the hopes and dreams of some corporation, but actually to serve our own hopes and dreams. And part of serving our hopes and dreams is helping the LGBT community pull itself up financially, uh, because we do believe that there's a path to financial success for every single LGBT person. And so that was our hope and our desire. And so we headed off with kind of this expectation that, um, that things financially wouldn't change a whole lot for us. We knew that we were taking a risk, uh, a big risk actually, by me quitting my job and us having to pay for our own health insurance, which as many of you know, is very expensive. If you're not working for a corporation who pays, pays a portion of your health insurance, it gets very, very expensive. So we took that risk, but again, as John said, we had this belief uh, that in January, things were gonna be fine because we were going to launch our credit card payoff course. There are literally millions of people in America who need that information, but we felt thousands of people in our group, in the, in the Queer Money Facebook group and individuals who follow us on our blog, we thought all of these people need this information. It's gonna be no problem for us. Exactly. Um, and then we, uh, we, so we moved to central Pennsylvania with these super high hopes, but I don't know if you're familiar with central Pennsylvania, but it's, uh, if you ever heard the song Allentown by <laughs> Billy Joel, it's a lot like that. It was an old steel town. It had its boom several decades ago, but it's not been the happiest of times the last several decades. It's very challenging. Um, and for a gay couple, it was a little bit concerning for us. Uh, we weren't sure how accepting they would be of a gay couple. And I think I hide it well, but apparently I don't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> I probably don't hide it very well either. We actually did have a woman the other day on the street ask us if we were buddies. And we said, well, what do you mean by buddies? And, uh, and she said, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're buddies. They're like, what? And she said, you're gay. And they said, yes, yeah. we are. So we kind of wanted her to say it, which she was co totally fine with, yeah, uh, she was which great. was great. It was nice having a conversation but with her. But we came to, to Columbia with a lot of preconceived notions about what to expect from a working class town, central Pennsylvania. And that was a bias that we brought, because um, I have to say that every single person we've met in Columbia has been Thanks. super nice. Now, we haven't come out to everybody. Um, sometimes I think it's probably easier to tell than others, um, but everybody has been super nice. And I don't know how they vote. I don't know what their religious beliefs are, but fundamentally, they were everybody we've met has, has been a nice person. But needless to say, we were still somewhat uncomfortable necessarily being ourselves. And the launch didn't, of our course didn't necessarily go the way we had hoped. Um, it performed as on par with the average of course launches for their first uh, iteration. Um, so for that, we should be happy because there are tons of people who create products that they want to serve their community with uh, and that go nowhere. So we're super grateful for that. But just, sorry, just uh, again, a little bit of perspective. John and I were hoping that the launch of the course was going to allow us to take care of ourselves financially for at least 2019. And, uh, and although our launch was on par with many other launches, um, it didn't even cover one month's worth of expenses for us. So as you can imagine, we, we went from being very excited to, to a state of fear. Um, yeah. Honestly, I will say state of fear. We actually, both of us, entered back into a state of, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, um, my self-worth, fell through the floor. I literally crawled into bed and cried because I felt like um, I had been rejected by the community that had been trying to help for so long. Um, and it was, a lot of that I think was, all of that was me inside. 
it was me inside saying, why doesn't my community want to help me when I've been doing so much to try to help my community? And that, that's, my, that's my issue. That's me saying that I need this. And I think that uh, it go, kind of goes back to what John and I were talking, or what John was talking about earlier is, we get so attached to, I'm not worth anything if I don't get a certain number of likes on Facebook, or if I don't get a certain number of comments, or if somebody doesn't think that I'm attractive enough when I hit on them. We get so caught up in this self-worth, and this was an example of where John and I got caught up again in our self-worth being attached to what somebody else does rather than we, what we were doing ourselves. Exactly. So, you know, what we thought was going to help us support us for an entire year barely would cover a month. And then um, the bank we were talking about in the, in the West about the Rocky Mountain tour, um, shortly after that, decided to back out. Um, they didn't give us any explanation. Our relationship with them is still good. They just chose to not pursue that at this time. Um, and that was a significant five-figure uh, contract that we were negotiating. So we were feeling pretty confident going into, in, into 2019. And then within a couple of weeks, everything just went south. Um, and so on top of our business goals seemingly not going to be being attainable for 2019, um, we were in this new town where we did not feel at home. And, uh, you know, it, we didn't realize how, uh, how pampered we were. We didn't realize the bubble that we lived in. We have much greater understanding of what some people mean when they refer to, um, and granted, Denver's in the middle of the country, but we understand what people mean when they're talking about flyover country. It's, things are just different here. Uh, David and I, when we went to go grocery shopping for the first time, we, we try to lean towards organic and we eat mostly fruits and vegetables, um, as you can see by this beautiful display that David presented. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was hardly any produce, let alone any organic produce. And what there was, was ridiculous in price. There was one green pepper wrapped in a plastic bag that was $5. And we were just like, wow, I'm not gonna spend $5 on a green pepper. But the, we, we, were, we were used to being able to just walk outside holding hands and walk to a local bar or a grocery, grocery store and get some great food. We were used to being able to meet up with friends within a uh, you know, quick drive um, to have wine and get caught up. And we didn't have those, those resources while we were in this sort of state of depression. Um, and then nothing, Denver to us is a very beautiful town, great, great city to walk around in, great for bike riding, easy to leave and go for a nice hike. Those, those resources aren't necessarily available here. Um, so we didn't really have anything to go to. We didn't have our friends that we could connect with. And we didn't realize until we were in that state of depression that we had, we had nowhere to go. Here we thought that we had sort of overcome all of our challenges. Uh, we, we thought that because we were able to identify that our lack of self-worth when we were younger um, and when we first came out in the LGBT community uh, got us into our credit card debt. We thought overcoming that was that we had, we had overcome those challenges. And we didn't realize until we were here and things did not go well for us how many attachments we still had. And it was a it was a rough several weeks. I mean, there were there there were there were days that he and I spent in bed doing nothing fun. They were hard days. We spent days watching TV trying to get distracted. And in in the past, had we been in Denver uh, in our in our in our familiar surroundings, we we know that we would have turned to things that we probably shouldn't have turned we shouldn't turn to. Um, we probably would have had a lot to drink. Well that opportunity wasn't really available here. In fact the liquor store <laughs> has the liquor store which is state owned um, has not been open for like at least two months. It it, it closed I think uh, mid February, which was almost in line with when John and I were 
we're really at our lowest point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, which maybe that was the universe saying, hey, you guys don't need to go to the liquor store. <laughs> yeah. And Dave and I like a good martini. He loves vodka. I love gin. Um, we both like the more expensive brands. Um, we love wine. And so we would have turned to that. We also would have probably turned to dining out at some fancy restaurants just to make ourselves feel better, to satiate ourselves. Cherry, the Cherry Creek Mall was only walking distance from where we last lived, and we probably would have gone over there and spent a bunch of money buying clothing. Therapy we, shopping. Clothing we didn't need, exactly, uh, going for therapy shopping. And all these things, we did not realize that what we thought were things that were just our standard of living, that we thought were things that we had worked for and earned, and, and, and in a sense had a right to, and other, other idiosyncrasies and, and, and behaviors were really attachments that we had that often can mask the truth about how we feel about ourselves or, or the way our lives are going. We didn't have any of those things to turn to. We literally had nowhere to go except for staying in this 500 square foot house, house and, and deal with each other. And so it was like, and there were times that we, had, we definitely had uh, crying matches we had our yelling matches um the cats got scared literally there were times when we were yelling where they would run and leave the room but then they would come back to us and they would reach up with their claws and put them on our on our legs kind of like saying hey guys stop (laughs) so it was kind of funny that they were like let's you you guys need to stop yelling at each other (laughs) and uh you know we just had an interview earlier today and we quoted how um the lgbt community has a disproportionate number of people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and i think for for my from mine and david's perspective what we went through the last three or four months is maybe part of the reason of why so many in our community struggle with drugs and alcohol even if it's just something that that we do on you know one night a weekend isn't necessarily a problem, but it's an, it's a temporary escape that actually doesn't add value to our lives. And and if we continue to mask any challenge, any bad feeling, uh, any any slight micro aggression we have toward ourselves, with just oh you know whatever I'll go on a shopping trip or oh let's go have sushi or you know I'm going to go dancing and 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 get some ecstasy and, and and dance all night long, you know whatever whatever our proclivities are very often we can use those to to mask prevent us from actually getting to the truth getting us to to actually address problems that we might actually be have been carrying our entire lives david and i thought we were healed we thought we were good here we are going around telling other people hey this is what you can do and we we were there too and we can help you and and, and if we can help you help yourself but at least you know take this as an opportunity um and and really we got smacked hard in January and February and we didn't, we had, there were so many layers of the onion that we um, hadn't peeled back yet. And I'm not saying that we are there yet. We're definitely not uh, the Dalai Lama, <laughs> No. but um, I think it was a, just a very eye-opening experience for the two of us that, yeah. that we didn't realize how much work we still had to do. And if, if, if it wasn't for the fact that we had no attachments that we could turn to that we, we, probably wouldn't have done some of the work that we've done since we sort of hit a, another uh, definition of a rock bottom. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that really kind of struck me is that we got caught up in what we're, we're going to, we'll mention this book in, in a second, but um, one of the books that we ended up reading, we got caught up in this idea of ego. Um, now, it's not in the ego as in you've got a big head, you know, and you're all about yourself. The ego is our attachments to things. 
So like, for example, when, uh, when we cheer for our home team and they win, what do we say? We won, right? Or we identify ourselves as from a particular state. You know, when you're watching a comedian and they mention a state and everybody cheers from that state, they're like, yeah, that's my state. Um, that's us getting attached to something that's outside of ourselves. And that was what we started to realize is we are really attached to things on the outside rather than to what's on the inside. We personally. Yes. Uh, and society in general. You know, look at, you look at the vast majority of people. We identify with things. Are you, you are either good or bad based on the attachments. You know, this team versus that team, this part, this political party versus that political party, this state versus that state. We get so attached to our ego being attached to something that defines us. And when that defines us and we're defined by something on the outside, then we look for something on the outside to make us feel better when we don't feel good about what's going on on the inside. And that's exactly where we were at. And it doesn't mean you can't root for your team. Yeah, But if, if your happiness is predicated on the performance of your team, then you're attached to that. We are attached to that. And um, then, as David said, then if, if things don't go well, or even if things go well, right? How many times are you like, I'm, my team won. Oh, let's go to the bar and let's have, throw back a couple beers and celebrate. Or my team lost. Let's go to the bar and throw back a couple beers and... <laughs> drown our, our sorrows or whatever your your proclivities are yeah sorry but it, I, I was kind of thinking about this whole idea like i see this a lot online it, especially in facebook where a lot of people complain about not being happy because they're not in a relationship so their attachment to being happy is based on being in a relationship and so i was just thinking about this and john and i were discussing it earlier today if you knew that somebody wasn't going to be happy until they were in a relationship that means that they're not happy now. Does that make them a desirable candidate to be in a relationship? You want them to be happy. You want to be with a happy person, right? And you want them to be happy beyond them having to be happy because of being in a relationship. Because that means as soon as the relationship isn't working out exactly as, the, as you had hoped it would, then all of a sudden your happiness goes away. And that is, I think, a big thing with with our attachment to material things, um, especially in the in the LGBT community and especially gay men, we get so attached to my happiness is tied up in having the newest or the nicest this or that, or taking this kind of vacation, or being able to tell people I've been a, I've been doing this or that. That kind of feeds us, and when we get attached to that, then when somebody and it's going to happen because time passes. Somebody's going to one-up us. They're going to take a nicer vacation. They're going to get a newer car. They're going to buy a new house. And if our, They'll if be skinnier. Our, if, our, <laughs> if our happiness is attached to that, like it has been in many cases for John and me, then what do we feel like we have to do? We feel like we have to chase it, right? We have to chase after that. Well, they got a new car. I got to get a newer car. They got a nice house. We've got to do something in our house to make it nicer. Or we've got to get a bigger house. You know, and... and it's not just our community. We, this is pervasive in our culture, right. that, that's, that this is the way that we think. We get so attached to our self-worth and our happiness being about things. And that's kind of, I think, why John and I said, we gotta, we gotta take a step back. Uh, and, and it's not just things as the material things, it's, it's, it's objects as, as Eckhart Tolle refers to it. Your object could be how someone else perceives you, how they treat you. It could be how a, an institution or a party is treating you. It's not necessarily just the material things that we get attached to. We get attached to um, other people's perceptions of us. And, and we have no control over that. And 
if they don't respond the way we want them to respond, then that kind of, then that manifests in, in other bad behaviors. Yeah. Which can often be drinking, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever. It could just be therapy shopping. It could just be dining out. And, and, and if you're always, what David and I have learned is that if we always have those things to turn to, then we actually never give ourselves the opportunity to peel back the onion and figure out Fix what's going problem. wrong here. I mean, we could totally f- change our mood by going to a nice sushi dinner and having some sake. But if we always have that to go to, we never actually address a problem that's been with us since probably, as some scientists say, uh, you know, we start identifying, creating our personality with as young as five years old. And those first few formative years um, are a super big foundation with how we live our lives, even into our 80s and 90s and 100s. And so um, if we never actually address those things, uh, then we actually can never actually self-improve or or reach what some people might call enlightenment. Yeah. You know, what was interesting is um, the thing I liked was in the book, Eckhart Tolle talked about, and this is the book, one of the books that we're, we're referring to is Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And it is about uncovering who you are inside. But one of the things I thought was so interesting is that that infants start to develop this mind label, right? So with a toy, as as young as two, when they as soon as they can say mine or understand the concept of mine is when they start to attach to a particular object. And you've seen a kid, what happens when you, you know, if you, you have your own children or if you have a niece, and, a niece or nephew, if you take a toy away from them, especially in a situation where you want them to share it with someone else, what happens to that child, right? They just go ballistic. They scream and cry or they, they yell, it's mine, you know, and we know that how that happens. Well, that is something that we learn and we cultivate all throughout our lives. And in some cases, in many cases, it is damaging to us and our ability to live a life, a fulfilled life, because we have this attachment. It has to be mine, has to be my house, has to be my uh, team, has to be my, you know, whatever the case may be. We get attached to this mind and it ho- I think it holds us back, at least for us. That's what we started to see. And again, a lot of what we're saying is from our perspective. That's why we're calling this our confession <laughs> is because this is from our perspective, our, our uncovering this and hoping that by sharing what we're sharing with you all, that maybe you see, may see some of this in yourself. Maybe you don't, but if you do, there's a solution. There are solutions out there. Right. So what's been working for David and me, and I, we've shared this several times, uh, you know that we do a lot of reading, we listen to a lot of podcasts, we meditate, we do affirmations, and we journal. We didn't realize how superficial all of our exercises were until we went through this state of depression and really tried to go even deeper. We've always enjoyed and found value in doing them, but we've sort of taken them to another level. And I'll say, um, we are reading Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Definitely a great book, and we'll talk about that more. I, I think probably the most effective book that we've been reading, I read it earlier. Which is stained with my uh, turmeric <laughs> juice from in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah. I read this the end of last summer. David just finished it. Uh, it's uh, Dr. Do- Dr. Joe Dispenza's um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Um, and he talks about the science of, for law, lack of a better word, um, the law of attraction. I don't know what your, your perceptions or belief are with uh, quantum physics, uh, the law of attraction, universal law, uh, sort of the, the secret stuff. A lot of people 
don't accept it. It seems a little bit hokey. Um, but what he does is he provides the science behind it, and he takes it down to actually the the anatomical level of how the law of attraction works. In that we're we all live in a vibrational universe, um, and we are actually vibrational beings. So he talks about how how we where we fit into the universe, how um, our vibration affects our reality, um, and he talks about how most of us are attached to things that aren't serving us, and he provides uh, exercises in how to overcome that. And David and I are going. It's, he's a big advocate for meditation, and so we've been following his uh, exercises in improving. I wouldn't say improving, but his exercises in meditation on breaking the habits of being ourselves. David has had a much better return on that than I have so far, <laughs> although I had a really great session today. Um, but David has had some meditation experiences. So in the morning, we, we, we meditate, and we're up to about 11 minutes now. Um, we listen to music on the same iPad. We put our headphones in. We listen to music, um, and then the, the alarm goes off and stops us. And two or three times now in the last couple of weeks, um, we'll end our meditation session, and I'll open my eyes, and David's crying. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just share with uh, a lot of you um, because of my upbringing. I I think especially because of the way I was treated by my father, um, I have a very deep rooted um, lack of self worth. Uh, I have struggled with it in many 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 ways, and it's manifested itself in lots of different, both constructive but destructive behaviors in my life. Um, and uh, and one of them, uh, one of those is uh, shopping or spending money. Um, uh, I, I know that Fred, we've talked about this in the credit card payoff group. I would spend money on my friends because I wanted my, I, I, I felt I needed those people. That was one of the destructive behaviors that uh, many people thought I was just being generous. But for me, it was a destructive behavior because I wasn't addressing who I really was. So. Anyway, about three weeks ago, John and I were meditating and I had the craziest experience. I, you know, honestly, I would say if I believed in a God like Christians do, I would believe that I had uh, a touched by God experience. But um, I call him Della Reese now. <laughs> while I was meditating, I was overwhelmed with a sense of being hugged by multiple people. Um, like a big group of friends. Uh, and then I just felt this almost like somebody whispered in my ear, it's going to be okay. Uh, and uh, a, a lot of that was my attachment to the worry and stress that we've been dealing with uh, in our financial situation and in our business and also my attachment to, uh, to self-worth. And I think that since then, my self-worth has changed. The conversation I have in my head has completely changed. Uh, and it's been interesting because it's manifested, started to manifest itself in other aspects of our lives. I have cut back on the amount that I drink. When we go out, it wasn't uncommon for me to have a couple of cocktails and a glass of wine over a two to three hour period. And um, now I've scaled that back. Um, and I think part of it is because I started to recognize that some of those behaviors were still trying to mask a, um, a feeling inside. And now I don't feel like I have a feeling inside that I need to mask, or at least it's not as, as pervasive, this feeling inside that I need to mask. Uh, so that's just, I, I didn't want to go too too much into that, but um, it was, it is the, the most interesting experience I've had in my life. The amount of joy and abundance and love that I felt in that moment is nothing I've ever had in my life. And 
So that's why I, I anyway, I'm going to start crying again, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I, you know, if there's anything you can take away from this particular session, we highly recommend this book. I, I'm, I'm buried in books right now, <laughs> but I'm going to read this again next. Um, and just uh, just a perspective. One of the things that John and I have found has brought us closer together as a couple. And this is, I credit John for this. Originally, um, we, we came up with this idea of let's read together. Um, but after we had our, our moment in early January where we were really, really depressed, um, both of us really depressed, John suggested that we wake up in the morning and the very first thing we do is uh, we spend the first 20 minutes sitting in bed reading together. We read the exact same thing. I read out loud or he reads out loud. We read the exact same thing. And the great thing about it is we sit there in bed, we hold each other's hand and we read. Um, and it has brought us together so much more as a couple. I'm, I'm just, it, 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 to start our day with the person you love holding their hand for the first 20 minutes basically says, no one in the world gets this time. This is my time with the person I love. And I, it, you know, it's worth waking up an extra few minutes to do it. I'm just <laughs> going to suggest that. But also the fact that we are reading the same thing at the same time. We're talking about it. We talk about it when we drive somewhere. And it just has solidified or helped us flush out what some of the things that we're thinking um, or the attachments we may have to the information that's in the material. And it's been... Uh, it, yeah, it's it, it's been an awesome experience. Yeah, so yeah, so our our, our habit lately has been so what ha finally happened. We were kind of all super depressed, and typically our habit was that we would wake up, come out here and, and meditate and do our affirmations, and then go to the gym. And it was like boom, 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 boom. And we always felt like we had to rush back because we were we were in this working from this space of lack. Um, and feeling um, like we weren't working hard enough or doing the right stuff. And that's why we weren't earning enough money that was going to keep us sustained, to help sustain and support us. I mean, we're, we're just talking base level support. We're not talking about living a grand life. We're just looking for, uh, we were just concerned we weren't going to have money to be able to pay rent or mortgage or to pay for electricity, you know, base level stuff. And I said to David, I'm, I'm, I hate my mornings. I hate waking up and having to like start rushing and doing stuff. And I said, we have built a business build a business to the, so that we could live and work anywhere that we wanted to. Let's try to, to the extent that we can, let's try to take advantage of that. And I said, we don't have to be at work at a certain time in the morning. Um, we don't, we aren't accountable to anybody else. So let's, can we try the idea of let's wake up, let's read, um, and let's have slower mornings. So we wake up, we read. Typically, David wakes up before me, and he gets our uh, lemon water started for us. Um, and then he wakes me up. Um, and then so he'll climb back into bed, and we'll read. And then we'll, we'll both journal right after we read. And I, I found such value in doing that because my head is in a, in a, in a more open, uh, focused space, I guess. Um, and, I, and, and what I've been journaling, I think, is probably some of the best stuff. I mean, if you were to grade your journal, journaling, I mean, <laughs> I haven't had that since seventh grade. But um, I just feel like my, my conversations that I'm having with myself in my journal are going much deeper um, and are providing much more, much more introspection for me. I mean, that's why I journal, not just to catalog my activities throughout the day or my life, um, but to, to, for self-improvement. And I'm having much more introspection doing that.
Is yeah. that what you're having? Yeah. And then we come out here after we do that, and then we meditate. And then when David's done crying, then we go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what's happened to me over the last year or so, but I have become a softie. Uh, <laughs> I cry a lot. <laughs> um, so what we're reading right now, and we shared this with, with everybody earlier, earlier in one of the Money Tip Tuesdays, but we're reading Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Um, I read it. I just finished reading it. And about the time that I finished reading it, David just fin finished reading um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And that was right about then that I went to Oprah's Super Soul Sunday and I realized, and I don't listen to her every day, but um, I do have her on uh, one of my saved podcasts. And I, I saw that she had uploaded all of her, uh, her 10 episode uh, webinar or live stream that she did with Eckhart Tolle that covered each uh, episode covers an, a different chapter in the book. And I recommended it to everybody in this group. Um, you know, something if you wanted to do is read this a lot in tandem with listening to those episodes, um, and you'll probably get some value out of that. Um, well, David and I actually have been doing that. So um, we we've been reading this book together. Um, he's been reading it uh, since he didn't read it already. He read it aloud to me in the morning, and then when we're done a chapter, we've been listening to an episode of Eckhart Tolle and Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday. So. We'll read a chapter here and then uh, in bed, and then when we're done a chapter, we'll listen to an episode in bed, um, and then we'll journal. So we, we're not necessarily reading every morning, at least during this phase. I mean, we've got a ton of value out of this. It, it's, it's answering questions. You know, there's um, one of the things I think is so profound about this particular book is, and I've read this in other books, but it didn't resonate with me until now, um, is that the voice in your head is not you. That voice in your head, that constant streaming of, of, of conversation that's going on in your head is actually not you. You're the observer of that voice. That voice is not going to ever shut up. And that voice says and thinks things that you would never say and think about yourself. Um, you know, uh, who's your favorite speaker? I can't, her name's just, Mel Robbins. She, she said on a, in, a, in, a, in a quote one time, uh, in a speech one time, if people could hear the thoughts that are in your head, they would put you in a mental institution because we say the most abhorrent, mean things to ourselves. I mean, we, we, we beat anything that anybody else can say about us. Um, and when David and I were in, that, in, in our state of depression, the things that he and I were thinking about ourselves and our, our value to the world and um, our, our, our worth in existing um, were, were just abhorrent. And, you know, that's really been pronounced with reading this book is that we're, you're not actually that voice. When you have a thought in your head that doesn't, especially if it doesn't serve you, but if you have, when you have a thought in your head and think to yourself, well, you're not that thought. You didn't think that thought, but you're the person or the being that observed that thought. And when you, and I think that's probably one of the greatest lessons that we've been getting out of this is the minute we start having a, a, a negative feeling about things, um, whether it's uh, external and it's been projected on us or we're, it's, it's, it's bubbling up inside us, um, we think to ourselves, okay, that's, that's not serving us, and that's actually not who we are. Um, we're just the obs observer of that thought. And if somebody's saying something bad about us to us um, or about us elsewhere, that's, that's really all them. It's not us. And there were times in my life I never really understood that, that if somebody says something bad about me, I always kind of took that personally. And we're always told, well, you don't have to take that personally. That's more a reflection of them than you. But I've real. It wasn't until understanding, reading this, that I've understood what that concept meant. If somebody's saying something bad about me, then it's not me. It's it is them. And that and this this book, I think, has really walked us through detaching ourselves from those thoughts. Yeah. And I will say that one of the interesting things that I've learned through the meditation um, is that it's possible to ignore 
or quiet that voice, um, it's amazing how that voice in our head is constant. We're constantly hearing that voice. And through meditation and sitting down and trying to be quiet, that I've been able to, to, to quiet that voice. And when I've quieted that voice, I actually feel. That's what, instead of thinking, I'm actually feeling. And I know that this is a little high level, some of the things that we're talking about, and that's why we would encourage you to check out these books. Um, and, or there are other people, especially there are some people in the LGBT space that are talking about this. And if you have an interest, seek them out. But the reason why I am so attached to that, which I shouldn't necessarily be attached to it, but I've, I don't know if I've ever really felt something all my life, all I've been doing is listening to this voice in my head. The voice in my head, I think, is was trained by maybe the people outside of me, my parents, my family, my classmates in school, what, what I was hearing in church. All of this negativity that I got all my life, it, it basically said, okay, this is how you talk to yourself. This is how you talk about yourself, right? And it, it, so that's what that voice kept on saying to me is I'm bad. I'm not worth it. I need to, to buy things or I need to, to eat this food or drink the, these drinks to make myself forget all of that or to cover that up, to make that go away. And then now finally I feel like, and it's only a couple of minutes at a time, but that voice is going away. And I literally used to tighten up. I, I would find myself being, uh, that was one of the ways my body would manifest what I was thinking is that I would get physically tight. I would tighten up. I would hold on. And the way that I'm relaxing now is that I've never been able to relax like this before. And it's, I'm finding that it's making me happier than any physical thing that I could have or buy or drink or smoke or whatever the case may be. You know, any of those things, none of those make me as happy as me relaxing and just being myself. Yeah. And then and the other book that uh, I wanted to share with everybody, and I think I've shared this earlier in the group as well, is Playing the Matrix by Mike Dooley. Um, I found this a little bit challenging to read. The first, the first half I found challenging until I was grasping his concept. Basically what he does is he explains this chart that he's created throughout his uh, professional yeah. career. And it was, it was really all over my, way over my head until about halfway through the book. Um, and then I was like, wow, this is super profound and, and applicable. It's a little bit more um, strategic in using quantum law to affect your life, ideally for the positive, but you can use it for the negative if you want. And so we're, I'm gonna read this again uh, because I, I think it's super profound and I wanna make sure I, I, I understand what I, what I missed the first time. So I wanted to share this again, even though um, we're not currently reading it. But Basically, what we wanted to do was, if it wasn't for us having come to Colombia and having had things go so bad for us, and not having our traditional attachments to, to, to satiate our pain or to mask our pain, um, I don't think that David and I would be in the space that we're in right now. Um, and, and our financial situation hasn't really changed since January. It hasn't necessarily improved, but we are in such a better space mentally and we feel so much better about ourselves and the way things are going in our lives that um, we wanted to share that with you. And I don't, I don't, not saying you got to move to Columbia. I'm not saying you have to. This is Columbia, Pennsylvania. For, Columbia. Those of, for those of you who are wondering if we're living in the country of Columbia, no. It's Columbia, <laughs> yeah. Pennsylvania, population of about 10,500 people. <laughs> um, 
I'm not, I'm not saying you have to sell all your things. I'm just asking that we would just like for our community to start doing a little bit of introspection um, and, and understand like why is it you feel the need, why is it we feel the need to go grab a drink or go shopping or watch TV, binge watch TV or you know whatever the activity is, even the most seemingly mundane activity can be, can be masking a pain or frustration or sorrow challenges that you have in your life that unless you give yourselves the uh, we give ourselves the opportunity to really address what's going on um, we could continue to carry these feelings about ourselves throughout our lives and they do have an effect on the quality of our life they do have an effect on our, our financial situation they do have an effect on our physical and our mental health it affects all sorts of aspects of our lives and and as you know, David was describing, he's gone through most of his life feeling tense. Well, that has to have an effect on his physical well-being, um, and obviously that's that that's being driven by a, a mental struggle, mental struggle. So um, the fact that he's able to to tear that away is should, if for no other reason, just simply make him feel better and have him enjoy his life day to day. If it doesn't actually even provide any other value, um, so we're just asking you to our community to start thinking about why we do the things we do and why we gravitate towards the behaviors and entertainment that we do. Um, okay. Not to say that anything is bad. None of it is bad. It's just the motivation of why we're doing the things that we're doing um, uh, is, I think, what we need to start, start asking ourselves. Yeah. I, I would just add that many people in our community um, have, have asked us, you know, why is it so expensive to be gay? Or why do we feel compelled to do these kinds of things? And why do we need to go buy the Ferragamo boots and then run around and tell everybody we got a pair of Ferragamo boots? You know, um, I'm surprised you know that. I don't know why I know the name <laughs> Ferragamo because I am not a fashion person at all. But the the truth behind all of all of the questions that we have about why we do something, why we do or we don't do something, um, has to do with who we are inside, and if we want to real, if we want to change anything about ourselves, whether that's to get out of debt, to find the right husband or wife, to find a job that is fulfilling and actually will make us the money that uh, that will help us live the life that we want, and especially for so many in our community who struggle financially because of their income, so much of this is tied up with who we believe we are inside. And all of that is fit, is literally attached to our belief systems. And if we can break down the false, the bad belief systems that we have been feeding ourselves or been fed by some other someone else, if we can break those down and get rid of them, that's when the debt will start to go away. That's when the relationships will start to happen. That's when your, your self-worth will start to increase. It's so interesting. John and I had um, the opportunity this last week to pitch a company uh, and we came up with a certain dollar amount as to what we were going to pitch them. And we didn't send the email or we didn't send the information. And for some reason, we came back to the conversation a couple of days later and we started talking about this whole idea of are we pitching them based on a lack of self-worth? Are we asking for the amount of money based on the fact that we don't think that we're worth it. And then we started to lay everything out and we got very analytical about it. And we said, if this was broken into separate pieces, what would we charge just based on that? And we kind of felt like because we were giving them so much that we needed to get, we needed discount. 
what it was that we were going to provide them. And we finally came up with a number and we just stepped back and we said that was an amazing conversation because we talked about what we were truly worth, not what we thought that this company thinks that we're worth or what our community thinks that we were, were worth. It's, it's based on what we thought we were worth. And that's the kind of conversation I think more people in our community, especially those who have a difficult time earning money, need to think about. You can get a better job. You can earn more money. Don't get sucked into this idea or this belief system that just because you're LGBTQ or whatever letter of the alphabet that you deserve anything less. Remember, you deserve no less or no more than anyone else in this world. You are we all are deserve exactly what it is that we are inside and the more we can we can understand that the more we identify with then i don't need to have that thing or i don't need to have that drink or whatever the case may be those things don't di dictate who i am yeah. and we can leave them behind and i think you know to capitalize on that and to close out like your own <laughs> Almost an hour. Yeah, we, we, we've never had a, a Facebook Live go this long. Thank you for so many great comments, honestly. Um, I, I absolutely agree. There's so many people have this voice in their head. Thanks, Allison and Fred and Matt. The, the discussion is awesome. I This is one I wish there was a two-way because then we'd all be talking about this. And I love having those kind of conversations. That's why we want to take the queer, partly why we want to take the Queer Money Tour live and be in front of more people <laughs> exactly but and I'll, I'll take a step back a little bit you know the reason that david and i started debt free guys and queer money and the reason that we wanted to share this particular topic with our community is because we do firmly believe that lgbtq people have a place in this world and that we can be a force for good i mean yes. we can be a force for just amazingness in the universe uh, and it can really affect positive change in the world and if we are mired down by feelings of lack of self-worth if we're stressed and depressed about our financial situation that we can't give as much as we have the potential of giving um, we can't actually be that full force that to be reckoned with and you know there are many ways that, that, that our community can, can strengthen itself. We've chosen the path of, of, of going down the angle of personal finance because that's what most resonates with us and that's what we know most about. And, and, and that's why we do what we do. So hopefully this resonates with you and, and hopefully um, we, this can be sort of the platform or the impetus for, for us uh, improving the LGBT community as a whole, strengthening ourselves and really getting out there and, 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 and affecting positive change in the world all over the world, whether it's in politics, corporate America, um, just every aspect of life. Because when we do, then we are, are, we'll open up the world to ourselves and the world to the world. And so thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to talk about this today um, and for, for hanging on as long as you did. We really appreciate it. And, you know, that's kind of all I had to say. Yeah. Do you have anything more to say? No, I, I, I just have to say thank you for so many um, of you who stuck with us. Actually, I have to, I have to get, take a step back. I have to say thank you to so many of you who have stuck with us from the very beginning. I mean, there are some uh, people in this group, uh, some of our friends who have been on this journey with us for the last five years. And to be honest, John and I, literally in, in, in late January, early February, we were about ready to check out. We were about ready to, to shut down the groups, uh, to shut down our website, to give it all give it all up and go back to the nine to five of check clocking in clocking out going on vacation drinking on the weekends eating lots of gourmet food because we love that and i'm 
glad that there have been some people in this group and in who have conversed with us one-on-one -on -one still make, reminds me that this is, even though this is small, we still need this. <laughs> exactly. So that's a little more personal than we've gotten before on Queer Money. We believe that the queer community needs to talk more about our spirituality than we're typically inclined to do. We hope this episode is an opportunity to start that conversation and an opportunity to take that conversation deeper. Again, this episode of Queer Money wasn't sponsored by anything, but we did recommend several books in this episode, including Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, A New Earth, and Playing the Matrix. Links to all of those books can be found at deadfreeguys.com forward slash 154. Thank you. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.